You're listening to the Podcast Detroit Network. Visit www.podcastdetroit.com for more information. You've now tuned in to the Drawing Board Podcast, a powerful, thought-provoking discussion where we talk about family, relationships, ministry, community, and career. Let's see what exciting guests we have on our show today. Great evening, Drawing Board Nation. This is the founder and the host, Andre Ebron, welcoming everybody. Actually, tonight is a very special night. Uh, Tonight, I am interviewing my 75th guest in the entire time that I've been broadcasting and doing this podcast. This actual podcast is being sponsored by Ebron & Associates, a consulting firm where we consult, develop, and support personal, professional, and organizational transformation. Everything falls under Ebron and Associates, the drawing board, the book, the drawing board coaching series, the drawing board podcast, the drawing board uh, experience from 2019 to 2020. Everything is sponsored by Ebron and Associates. Now, if you're listening and you say you want to be a part of this movement and you would like to sponsor either a podcast or some tickets to the conference or you would like to give in any way, please make sure you message me or email me at andre.ebron at ebronassociates.com. You're watching this on Facebook, so if you want to message me, feel free to do that. Now, here's what I always guarantee you. I always guarantee you quality information from quality guests, and tonight is no different. I would like for you all, the Drawing Board Nation, to help me welcome to the podcast, Miss Queen Nelson. Welcome to the show, ma'am. Thank you. Thank you. I'm happy, happy and excited to be here. Oh, listen, listen. It is all of my pleasure to have you on the show. Tonight, we're going to get into some interesting things of you being an intercessor, a psalmist, a prophet, a prayer warrior, and then get into your journey. How did you get there? So all of the things that I name are like uh, ecclesiastical offices within the ministry. Uh, but you journey to get to that office, you journey to get to that place. And so often we hear of the title that someone possesses, but what we have to look at is the function and the process by which we got there. So Queen, let me tell people who you are. Queen Nelson's mission is to help others speak their truth and empower them to release themselves from bondage. Now, bondage is an acronym. Break it down for me, Queen. What does bondage (laughs) stand for? <clears throat> bondage stands for well bondage first is the name of my book let me let me just throw that out there first um oh, it is the name oh yes look at that look at that beautiful thing yes. um it is the name of my first book it is a memoir it is based on my story um it stands for betrayal offense neglect disappointment anger grief and emotion um, and when I prayed about uh, this book and about the title of this book, uh, the Lord revealed to me that those were the things that women especially um, were bound by, that we could find ourselves bound by those things um, in one, if not all, of those categories, um, generally from things that we've gone through um, in childhood um, and that had followed us into our adult lives. And so um, that's where I took it. Oh, absolutely. So. You are there to release them, help them release themselves from that betrayal, from that offense, from that neglect, from that disobedience, from that anger, from that grief, and from that emotion. Now, you know, of course, in the times that we currently are in, uh, people are having to confront themselves 
because they're not as busy moving. And right. so they're having to interface with those experiences while some grieving through current loss, some people being awakened to the fact that they have this certain level of grief or anxiety or depression that they must deal with. They mm-hmm. actually have to confront themselves because they've had to sit down. Mm-hmm. So your book is an excellent, when you watch someone else navigate uh, their life's experiences, whether it be traumatic or whether it be jubilant, uh, it gives you permission to uh, begin to voyeur through your own experiences. Like watching, when I read your book, uh, I could hear your voice, you know, and uh, everybody says that. <laughs> yeah. So, and I felt like you were <laughs> reading it to me and like walking me through. I know it's going to sound a little funny, but the, you know, the Christmas story of uh, where it has the, um, the ghost from Christmas past, present, or all those things. Like yeah. I felt like mm-hmm. you were just walking me through your story and it made me appreciate uh, the woman of God that you are now. now I got to tell them, listen, born and raised in the deep, Detroit, Michigan. Queen graduated from the Cass Technical High School. The Cass Technical High School. All right. I, oh, my wife is in the background. Yes, second to none. Now, listen, I'm t- streaming live, and she wants to shout out. Listen, you technicians, I, I got a whole story about uh, technic. Uh, I'm, I'm about sure you do. I'm but, sure you do. Yeah, I, I will. I will uh, hold it <laughs> off. Mm-hmm. Listen. So you also hold a bachelor's degree in film from Ferris State University, where you graduated with honors while raising uh, your daughter. Now, listen, I, that's a whole nother dynamic. Uh, and I think just take a moment uh, to encourage, especially uh, the young lady or the young man that is, you know, had to go directly online not able to report to class. While some people might think it's more convenient to work from home, sometimes that can be challenging. So could you just take a moment and encourage that young lady or that young man that's matriculating through university uh, and still trying and raising their children? Absolutely, I can. You know, I didn't go um, straight to college, much to the chagrin of, of some of my family members. Um, I, I wanted to sing and um, I did it. I did sing. I, I toured all over. I did a lot of things. Um, and then at 23 years old, I found myself pregnant with this baby. Um, and I had this baby and I looked at her and I went, listen, this life that I'm living, these, you know, in the studio all night, running all around and doing all these shows, I can't do this with this baby. Um, and I didn't know what to do. Um, and my aunt, who I'm, I adore, she said, you know, well, go to school. Um, and I go to school, you know. Um, and so I, what I did was I couldn't, I couldn't decide, you know, well, I, I'm going to go to this, the great school and the Ivy League school and the predominant, you know, the, the, I couldn't do that. I found the school that had family housing. I found the school that worked for me. Ferris State University had family housing. I could take my daughter with me. Um, she was one year old when, when, we, when we went. And um, I went to school. I was older. I think I was 24, maybe 25 when we finally went. Um, And so I was motivated to go to school. I was motivated to show her, listen, I know that everybody says that life is over when you have a baby. And and no, life is not over when you have a baby. Um, I was motivated to do well. I was motivated to be an example to my daughter. Um, And so that's what I did. I didn't go to party. I didn't go. And then then I was able... Um, to have to do some of those things and to have some of those fun times. Um, And Ariana was just addition to those things. Everybody loved her. 
Um, but school was so important to me um, and to be a motivation to show my daughter that, listen, um, I, was in, I was an orthodox student um, and I did it. And I was on the dean's list every single semester. Um, and I had some rough times. I had, to, I had to drop out one semester. They scared me to death, told me I had cancer. Lord, I didn't know what to do. Um, I thought I was going to lose my mind. And then I came right back and was right back on the dean's list. It was important to me. Um, and so you just have to be motivated to do it. You have to be willing and you have to, your stick-to-itiveness has to be there. Don't let anything stop you. Um, and I just charged forward and I did it and you can do it. There's nothing, you don't let anyone or anything stop you if that's your goal. School is not for everybody, but if it is for you and if you want it, then you can do it. Okay, great. Listen, that was powerful. So here, I don't know if you've really been watching all of the shows, but on my show, I give every last one of my guests a challenge. And I'm really sitting and waiting and listening to the conversation to determine what the challenge. So I listen, I am pulling you into the drawing board nation right now. You are okay. family. And okay. here, here's, your, here's your assignment. All right. Here's okay. your charge. All right. I would love for you to write something because I know you're a, po a, a poet as well, a spoken mm -hmm. word artist. Could mm -hmm. you please write a poem entitled Charge Forward? No problem. All right. Cool. I, have my, I, I have my journal, right? Because I knew you was going to do something. So oh, I was yeah. You know, you know I was coming with it. You know I, I, was, I was already ready for you. All right. I got, I got, yeah, I'll, Charge I'll Forward. I think that, that right. that's powerful. That is going to empower so many people to move beyond where they currently are. And the drawing board nation, you know, it's all about going from average to exceptional, from potential to performance, from effectiveness to greatness. So Absolutely. listen, you, you being no stranger to the church, um, you are the granddaughter of the founders of Greater Bible Way Missionary Baptist Church in Detroit, where mm -hmm. you gain your foundation of faith in the Lord. So you're kind of mm -hmm. like a GP, a GPK. Yes, exactly. That's exactly right. You're a GPK. And that comes with a whole different set of, of expectations and circumstances and right. things of that nature. So talk to me about how did uh, being so closely tied to the behind the scenes, the functioning of the church, how did that influence your faith? Oh, complicated question. Well, so my grandmother raised me. I didn't know my grandfather. He died before I was born. Um, but my grandmother raised me. And after my grandfather died, my grandmother sort of took over um, the running of the church. Right. So I was raised by this very strong, very spiritual woman who um, was the mother of five children, four boys, one girl, my mother. Um, and then now she has me. Right. Um, and I watched her um, as she literally just. She just did it all. Um, and I watched her get hit by every wind, um, get knocked all around. And all she would say is Jesus. Um, you would see her humming in the kitchen. Um, and you would know when something was really going like rough when she was having a rough time because she would just be humming and staring off into the ground. She wouldn't talk. She wouldn't say much, but she would just be staring off um, somewhere and she would just be humming. Um, and if you talk to her or if you, you know, if I was having a bad day and I would go in there and blah, 
And she would say, girl, you just need to pray. And you'll get mad at her because she would say it with like, you know, such a fist. Girl, you just need to pray. That's your problem. See, that's your problem. You right. need to pray. Okay. <laughs> see, you need to. That's your issue right there. See, you don't pray. You don't study. You don't got the word. You can be like, girl, y'all came in here and laid my heart on your lap. And, and she didn't want to hear none of that. Um, and she was just this amazing force in my life. And I have to admit that even with that, I didn't understand things. Um, it was the hardest thing for me to grasp me who, um, wanted to, because watching her, um, and, and her independence, you know, I grew up with this thing. I had to have my hand on everything. Right. So I grew up very independent. Um, I grew up as this young lady who, um, I would, I had to have my hand on everything. I needed to know the next step. It wasn't enough for me. You know, that whole have faith thing didn't work for me. I needed to know the plan. I needed to know what was coming up the road. I needed to have it all worked out. So faith was very hard for me to work through that. That thing didn't, that wasn't working for me. Um, and even though I was raised to have it, it was exemplified before me. Um, my aunts, my uncles, my family, you know, my church family was, was like blood for me, but for me, that thing, listen, that thing didn't work for me. Um, and then if you read my book, I had so many tough experiences. Um, it was really hard for me to put those, to put that together with faith. Um, and so I don't think that I began a true faith journey, um, until I came out of that five-year period where I said, you know what, God, I'm, I'm done with you. I don't want to talk. Um, I don't want to pray. You pray. Y'all deal with him. I'm good. And I, I this was my conversation. I'm good on Foolish. Listen, foolish. Like, Lord, thank you that you didn't strike me down in my foolishness. And I say that all the time because that's what I would say. I'm I'm good on him. Y'all do that. But I was angry and I was hurt and I was frustrated and I was confused. And I didn't understand how I've been singing in, in your vineyard all my life. And I've been I've been so transparent and I've used my life as this. I thought I was being a vessel and I've been helping with as much as I could. I've been writing these poems and performing them. I've been doing all of this stuff. I've been taking young women under my wing. And oh, my God, I've been doing so much. And yet you allowed all of these things to come to my front door. You've allowed all of these pains to happen to me. I don't understand. And I don't think it was until I came out of that um, that I that I began what what was probably my journey toward understanding what faith is. And you know, I, I'm in seminary right now and I just had an assignment, literally, and I'm just finishing up today. Um, and I had to, you know, my instructor was like, queen, that is not what faith is. I was like, you know, faith is blind trust, you know? And they were like, no, it's not. And I was like, what do you mean? And my pastor was like, you know, queen, sweetheart, that's not, that's not it. It's not blind. There are examples all around you. And what that taught me is that every single day we learn something different. Never think that you have it. Because every day on this journey, on this faith walk, every day in ministry, every day um, as as we grab a hold to this spirituality, to Christianity, to learning about God, to having this personal relationship, you learn something new. It is evolving. It is ever evolving. Um, and so I think 
I have, I attach everything back to my grandmother, um, the God that she served, the God that she put inside of me. But right. now I have to serve that God on my own, right? I have to know him for myself. I have to study to show myself approved. And so it's an ever evolving faith for me. I think, I think that's amazing. So of course, you know, you, you know, I, you, you definitely are inspirational, motivational. You have a word in your heart and in your spirit. Uh, and, you know, I mess with you all the time when you come to, to, to uh, minister and share with mm-hmm. the kids uh, at the school. Uh, but here's something that uh, some very important points that you just brought up uh, in sharing that, which I think are pivotal right now uh, mm-hmm. for people who may be going through experiencing some family members who may have passed away from COVID-19, understanding how does faith fit into the context of them understanding the pain that they're currently experiencing? If I believe God, if I expect God, and Mm -hmm. the results are not what I'm believing and expecting, Mm -hmm. like how can I continue to have some stability or, you know, maintain my dexterity and my balance in believing Mm -hmm. in the God whom I serve, who said that he's a healer? Right. Mm-hmm. Uh, how can I be bound or in that bondage and still serve a God who promises to be a deliverer? Right. And yeah, yeah. I think that, you know, uh, there's having faith or possessing it. There's using knowing how the how to how to appropriate your faith, not just to endure or persevere through tough times, but mm-hmm. to produce the impossible mm-hmm. of which God's promises for our lives. Right. Mm-hmm. And then also watch it then understanding faith. Right. Right. So, yeah, right. you can't understand those things without continuing, as you said, developing that ongoing, evolving perspective of mm-hmm. God's love for us. Right. Mm-hmm. So uh, I think that that is what is essential, that his love is, is efficacious, it's everlasting, it is eternal, it is unconditional, yeah. and it will see you through the vicissitudes and the cracks of life uh, yeah. as you write in your, listen, as you write in your book. Uh, bondage, a memoir. Uh, I saw how uh, the different experiences of life, uh, and there there were different things that you experienced going through this that will just, unfortunately, are so common, uh, a common narrative for so many young women. And at Mm -hmm. this point, statistically, so many young men have gone through the abuse, have gone through the neglect, have, Mm -hmm. you know, and so I think now I want to say uh, the last statistic that I read said that one in three uh, people uh, have been sexually abused in some way. Um, and that is, that holds no gender, male or female. And so it's giving people the courage to confront that because so mm-hmm. many people have that suppressed. Uh, people may have let gone me, Let me say this before yeah. we get too far, because I don't want to forget, before we get too far away from... Um, that, that piece of the faith discussion, my pastor has have been uh, teaching us. She, she got this revelation from God over the last few days and she's been sharing it with us. And, and it was it was very amazing. And I'm going to tell you why, um, because one thing that I've learned um, over the years and, and I get I get frustrated sometimes because I go, geez, I, I really thought that I had overcome this thing. Right. And right. I thought that I had gotten past this thing and I'm like feeling so good. And then something happens and I feel like, sheesh, I'm back to where I started. And and you have to realize again that it just it's you know it, you you it's it's evolving. Um it's not that you didn't overcome that thing. It's that 
is that there's levels to this, right? That's right. Um, and so Pastor had was 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 teaching us, and 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 I, I I promise you I won't do it all of the justice because I'm still learning it. Um, but she was talking about the now. She's talking about the now, how we live in time, but God doesn't live in time. That's right. Right. It, it, you know, he's an infinite God. We live in time. And so, you know, what happened yesterday and what happened 10 years ago and what, you know, that was 10 years ago and it was yesterday and it was when we were five. But for God, it's now. And so when we're dealing with, you know, if I'm still aching because of, uh, you know, the rate that we talk, that, that I wrote about in my book. Um, when I was 18 years old, uh, you know, this is over 20 years ago. And if that's still an issue for me, um, I can pull that up and talk to God about it. And for God, it wasn't over 20 years ago. For God, it is right now. Um, and that thing ministered to me in a way, um, that was just phenomenal. And I think when we're talking to people, you know, in a year who, who, who are going to be still flailing from what we're going through right now. Um, and it's, you know, I lost my husband last year, you know, Mar- Marlo's wife of uh, Valencia, she, she lost her husband last week. Their, their babies lost their dad, right? Um, Jason's okay. wife, she just lost her husband. Their children lost their dad. Um, I could give you a list of people right now who've gone through loss, and I'm sure you know. Um, for God, that remains the now for Him. It's never gone, um, and you can deal with that with Him in the. It's the now for Him, and when it comes up and you need to deal with it, you have to know that He hears it right now. And he'll deal with it with you in the now. It's right now for him. And that thing struck me in my chest. Yes. Because there are things that um, that I still, you know, a lot of those things in the book, I, I can breathe now. I can, I can talk about them and I'm breathing. I'm good. I, I am breathing about those things. But there are a couple of things in that book, um, things that deal with my mother. There are things in that book that I, I, I can't breathe yet. Right. Let's be again. I'm very transparent when I when I talk about these things. There are still some things that I can't yet breathe about. And to know that when I'm ready to go to God with those things, when I understand that I got to deal with this stuff because I need to get these things out of here in order to do what the work, because I am called to this ministry. I am called to be a prophet. I am called to be an intercessor. I am called to be a healer. I am called. God gave me these names. He called me a ship that blew my mind. And I can't be who he called me to be, you know, straddled with all of this other stuff. I can go to him and it's a now thing for him. Oh, that blew my mind. And I'm still learning what that means. Right. Right. And I think that that is how um, we begin to help people heal. When you can say to them, baby, take it to God. And he will. It is now for him. It wasn't last year. It's last year for you. But it's right now for God. And listen, I, this may be off, but I'm sorry. I encourage you, any of you, um, my pastor, Reverend Dr. Cecilia Greenbar, and she is teaching this right now. I'm not, you can have your own pastor, but I'm saying good learning is good learning. And this is a thing right now now she's teaching that is mind blowing. Yeah. Where do, where do you serve at? Um, we serve a creative worship center. Listen, we are we we will be one year old 
We are celebrating our one year anniversary the day after um, your event. That's what we talked about. And I said, listen, we- Pastor locking us down that whole weekend. You, 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 you'll be lucky if you can get me to even uh, jump in for a minute. Um, but we planted our church one year ago. It is inside of Liam Thurston High School inside of, uh, in Redford, Michigan. It, it has just been a phenomenal experience um, for God to bring this down into the terra firma um, for us to be able to go and do this week after week for us to see people come to get it to be delivered um, for us to pray for them um, to see pastors speak into them um, for us to speak into their lives prophetically to see them come back to hear the testimonies um just to watch it grow um, and and to and to see him prepare us for what's going on right now in this moment. And we didn't even understand that that's what we were being prepared for. We knew we were being prepared and we were getting the prophecy. Um, but to understand that this right here, this COVID-19, this social distancing, this time when people are flailing, when it is unprecedented to know that this, this time, this is our time. It has just been truly amazing. Um, and so I thank God for my, my worship, uh, the place of my worship. I thank God for my pastor, Reverend Dr. Cecilia Greenbar. Um, I just thank God for this time, for this now, um, because it is truly amazing. And we should all, all of us should be taking advantage of it. All believers, all of us in the faith should be taking advantage of this time because this, when God is doing this shaking and this moving that that pastor told us he was going to do last year um, and prepared us for, this is when we as the body can do the most work. Absolutely. So when you were talking about that now, it just reminds me in scripture where the Lord promises to be an ever-present help in a time of trouble. In a time of trouble. Yeah, no matter Mm -hmm. what is going on. He's mm-hmm. always there. And no matter, and this is encouragement to somebody's listening, no matter where you are in life, no matter what you felt that you've done or have not done, attended, have not attended, the Lord yeah. is always there. He promised Absolutely. what? To never leave us nor forsake never. us. He'll be with us always, even until the ends of the earth. Now, yeah. much like your pastor, my pastor prophesied coming into this year that it was going to be a challenging, a rough year, but it Mind was it also going to be a year of so much great victory. So, mm-hmm. of course, the Lord is not going to allow uh, the enemy to do something and 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 not show up. So right. things that um, and, and being sensitive. So those that are listening, the challenges that are going on, uh, the Lord didn't have to make the nation sick in order for mm-hmm. there to be a turning. Right. That is mm-hmm. not something that he had to do, but he is using this opportunity for us to make the choice that we've always had, which yeah. is turn. So yeah. this is just something, uh, uh, a stark motivation to, that causes us to turn. But the Lord right. doesn't send this to make you turn. You always right. had the choice to turn. Right. We've been telling listeners every day, hey, yeah. fall in love with God again. That's been our theme this week. Fall in love with God again. And if you haven't been in love with him, let me tell you why you should be. Let me share my experience with you. Let me help you fall in love with God. Because if you're not in love with him, baby, you're on the wrong side of the line. So let us help pull you over to the right side, right? Absolutely. So listen, as I'm reading through, uh, and I've been pulling like little excerpts and things that I wanted to mention while having you 
on the show, mm-hmm. I have some pages dog-eared. I have to okay. go back. But while I'm looking for that page, uh, there's another poem I need you to write. Uh, this <laughs> poem is called, uh, yeah, write it on down. It's okay. called, All She Said Was Jesus. Now, I thought that that was a very like powerful uh, moment because you know, when you call upon that name, I won't get to talking about all of that, but you know, there's power in that name. Absolutely. And, uh, and uh, sometimes you don't, there's not a long narrative that's needed. Sometimes you just right. need to call on the name. Mm-hmm. All right. So listen, um, I was, it was about uh, the experience that you went through and certain people uh, on page, it's on page 39 for those that have the book, uh, but it was, it's the last sentence on the page. And it goes from the point um, of you reflecting on some of the traumatic experiences that you've gone through. But this is what captured me and really brought it alive to me. You say, more than anything, I remember my old friend's shame rising back to the surface. And I instantly knew this was another secret I needed to keep. And uh, working in the schools, I see in our youth so many times they don't they may not say anything, but their whole eyes, demeanor and body language lets me know at times that they're keeping so many secrets, uh, keeping their parents secrets and uh, keeping their family secrets. And the idea of what happens in this house stays in this house. Can you take a moment, kind of speak to that so we can kind of shatter that framework? Because there's somebody listening and whether they be 15 or 55, they're still keeping that secret. And what what is here? Here's what I would love for you to speak to. What is a healthy way to process and get that out as opposed to just because, uh, you know, awareness yields a responsibility to respond. Right. Absolutely. And, and uh, when people become aware of it, sometimes their next action could send their life in a direction that they never intend because they don't know how to properly handle the awareness they've come into. Can you speak to that? Absolutely. Um, so so one of the main reasons that um, I finally finished Bondage and put it out is because I did not want my children to be under the veil of secrets and lies that I had lived under. And of course, it's generational, right? Um, like you said, what happens in this house stays in this house. And culturally, it's a cultural thing. Um, uh, that's how we're taught. Um, and so that's what we do. Um, and and, it, and it, it just go, it flows down from generation to generation. Um, I think that one thing that um, I always tell my girls, especially, and a lot of my boys as well, wherever I go, I usually take a stack of journals with me um, and I give them out to my girls, journals and ink pens. And I tell them, baby, write it. Just write it. Listen, if you have to write it in cuss words, write it in cuss words. If that's the vocabulary that you have right now, write it however you need to get it out. Because at the end of the day, number one, you need to get it out. Yeah. Um, and number two, you got to find a safe place. You have to have a safe harbor, a, 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 particularly a person that you feel you can go to. Um, and and it need and when we're talking to our younger people, it needs to be an adult. Babies, it can't be your best friend. 
um, because your best friend don't know what to do no more than you do, sweetheart. Um, you need to find an adult, a counselor, a teacher, an auntie. I, I, I don't know, but you have to find an adult that you deem safe, that you can talk to. Um, even if, because listen, Sometimes we don't want them to do nothing. Now we fall across that line because a lot of us are mandated reporters, and depending on what we're telling them, you know that's that's how I that's how I got fired. That's how it all happened for me. Um, you know, I told some kids, the kids told a teacher, teacher was a mandated reporter. Well, it all went downhill from there for me, which was really uphill, but didn't feel that way in the beginning. At the moment, um, yeah. right? It didn't feel that way, but. You have to find a safe place because what happens is these things eat and eat and eat and eat and eat. And then whatever it is that's happening, it doesn't stop because you get, you never get the help that you need. Um, and then the teachers, your family is seeing behavior that they don't understand, that they can't comprehend. They don't know what it's coming from. They know that it's something, but they can't figure out why you're not talking to them, right? And this thing just gets bigger and bigger and bigger until usually the outcome is something that none of us want to see. Um, it's either promiscuity, uh, we get suicide, we get suicidal ideations, um, we get self-harm, you know, it, it turns into all of these other things. But if you Write it out, talk it out. Um, if you find that safe place, that safe harbor where you feel like you can go and listen, um, adults, you got to learn how to be a safe harbor. Same see, that's the, see, that's the thing. You have to learn how to be a safe harbor. You have to learn how to spot some of these behaviors, some of these issues, because every a smart mouth little girl with an attitude and all of that is not just a smart mouth little girl with an attitude. That's right. You know, every every little boy, you, you understand what I'm saying? All of these angry, behaviors right? that you're seeing, they're right. their behaviors for a reason. Some of them are not just disrespectful because they don't have any other reason to be. You have to learn how to flesh some of this out. You have to learn how to make yourself a safe harbor and it's not always easy and it takes time and you have to sit there. It takes patience. You, it's almost like you're selling yourself for a while in order to get them to see you as a safe harbor. But you would rather do that than see them dead. You would rather do that than see them in a gang or you, you would rather do that um, than, than, than they wind up pregnant at 12 and 13 because they're looking for love, but they don't know how to find anywhere else. Um, and so it's a two way street. So we have to be very careful. Um, you know, when I had I had a safe harbor, um, you know, but I didn't always use it. I used it when I wanted to, but then there were times when I didn't know that I could. Okay. Um, and then I was a child that was just very used to compounding things and burrowing through them. Um, it wasn't until I got into my upper teenage years that I really, really, really um, found the power of the pen. And I just began to write it all down. And that became my safe. I just wrote it all down. Um, and then I would give it all to my auntie. And, you know, I wrote it. Does this make sense? Is this good? You know, and then I think she would read it and go, oh, oh, okay. 
<laughs> okay, and that's how she would really figure out it's really something going on with this child. Um, but she couldn't approach me like that. She couldn't approach me like, oh my God, what's wrong with you? Um, and so she taught me in parables. Um, she taught me in love. She would tell me her stories. She would tell me, you know, she just found a way to reach me. And she really stuck with me. She, I love the writing. And so the writing is where she came at me. And, and that's how I made it through a lot of things. But I was still damaged. I was damaged. You have to understand that there is damage. Um, and that's why when you make yourself a safe harbor, you have to really understand what that means because there's damage. Our babies are damaged. And the damage doesn't go away because you begin to confront it. It's not that simple. Now, let me ask you a question. Um, because when we talk about damage and we talk about things that we've been through, traumatic and things of that nature, um, how do we come from being in that place of being damaged? What brings the healing where we no longer look at ourselves as being damaged? Because I work with educators. I work with human service professionals. I work with, and to some degree, um, it is easy to fall into like that deficit mindset and understanding that there are some traumatic experiences that have happened in our life. How do Mm -hmm. we get to that place of wholeness and seeing ourselves not through the lens of being damaged? It's by first being able to recognize and admit that there's damage. Okay. Right. Because we have to be able to admit that we've been through some things and that they cause some wreckage. Um, in our lives, in our mental, in our mental and emotional state, um, and then being willing to go through the process of healing, Talk and, to being, me about that. and being okay with the process. Now, listen, the healing process, baby. Whoop, yeah, the healing that's, process that's, is something that's, that's see, that's where the work is, right? That's that's where the work is, right? Um, I, I talk about in my book. I talk about the prison of your pain. Being okay. in the prison of your pain, being of the prison of your being in the prison of your pain is easier. It's easier to just stay in there with the door locked <laughs> when it's time to open the door and begin to confront the things that caused you to become imprisoned. Oh, that's hard. Now I have to look in this mirror and be and be very honest about what I see in myself because you know when I. We'll use my, I use myself as an example. There were some things um, when I looked in the mirror um, that were ugly on me that were not that were not my fault. I did not cause those things. Um, there were some things that were generationally put on me that were not my fault at all. Oh, but there were some things that I caused on my own. And I had to be very honest with myself about those things. I couldn't blame those things on mama, daddy, baby, daddy, ex-husband, or nobody else. I had to to look at myself and say, you were the cause. These were based upon the decisions that you made or did not make. And you got yourself into those ruts all by yourself. Right. Um, And it's very hard to look at yourself in the mirror and be honest about what you see. Um, It's very hard to confront the people who hurt you. Um, It's very hard to be honest enough to say. I know that I'm damaged. And in order to fix the damage, (laughs) um, 
I have to now confront my demons. I have to cast my demons out. And you can't cast demons out generally without calling them by name. That's a spiritual principle. I don't know of a way to cast the demon out without calling them by name. You have to call them forth in order to get rid of them. So, listen, in and of itself, that is a very hard process. Um, so in order to get to the healing, in order to get to the other side of being damaged, you have to walk through this long, arduous process. Some people start it, they drop off, they come back on. It's a, you see what I'm saying? It's, it's, a, it's a long, I am still in my process. I'm not done. There is still damage. There is still wreckage. Um, I have healed from some of it, not all of it. There are still certain things. I still have triggers. That in two in in point two seconds will send me over the wall. That's me being very honest. Yes. Me with my spiritual prophetic intercessor self. I have triggers that will send me directly over the wall, and and now I have to work on those triggers. I can't. It's been very easy for me to just be like, "Yep," yeah, and this has been so good. I am so cute from all of this, and this is wonderful. And I wrote this great book, and this is great. And you know why book two was taking so long? Because I'm still working on this part of the wreckage. And God, every time I sit down to work on book two, he said, no, ma'am. Because I'm still working on this part of the wreckage. It's a process. And you have to be okay with the process. And the process is not easy. Right. That is is for your making. It is. It is. And and when you're making something of quality, it takes time. You know, I like to say that, you know, of course, we're handmade by God, you know, so. Mm-hmm. I was just great to say that, the potter yeah, and the clay and the yeah, oven and the heat. And, and mm-hmm. you know, for whatever reason, I'm thinking of, you know, a Lamborghini, you know. So uh, I was watching a special on it and it was talking about how uh, each part of it is handmade and it, the, the stitching of the leather and everything that's in there is done by hand. Mm-hmm. And so those things take longer. Yeah. But when they are complete, they are more valuable. Yes. And, and uh, so our pain has a way of producing a passion that leads to purpose. And then yeah. that purpose allows us to add value to the lives of others. So, yeah, yeah. what's interesting is um, uh, growing up, my goddad, who was my pastor in Indiana, he had this alliteration that was pain, passion, purpose. Right. Mm-hmm. And so the thing that hurts you, the thing that hurts you the most or makes you the angry, the angriest or the things that you identify in others. Because when you've gone through a certain level of pain, experience breeds discernment. And you mm-hmm. cannot even know this person, but you can see that commonality or you can right. identify that spirit off the, off the bat because it right. is familiar, you know? And uh, I think that that is what's powerful about your story. Uh, there's a poem in here called Just a Young Child. Uh-huh. It's at the beginning. Mm-hmm. And so... You know, I'm going to call you out. I want to see, do you know it verbatim? No, but. Clearly no. not. I wrote, no, I, was no, very, listen, listen. I was just a young child when I wrote it. <laughs> right. So this was just ninth grade. But, yeah, but I, I want people to get a sample of your work because uh, I wonder if uh, with their 45, 35, 22, 68-year-old selves, mm-hmm. if they can see themselves in just this young child. So it starts like this. I was just a young child with the ability to dream and be free. 
when all of my hopes and dreams were carelessly snatched from me. My hopes were de- my hopes were defeated, de- no, yeah, defended and cracked by the sound of a killer whip. My dreams were smashed and killed as the core continuously hit. Then I was pulled out and brought to what you call safety, only to fall once again into the hands of a world that is and its gaiety. I was just a young child trying to regain my hopes and dreams when a curious but ignorant question left again something to be snatched from me. This time it was more than just hopes and dreams. This time it was not my mother, for I had already lost her. You see, this time it was my father, torn from me, torn from my daddy. For reasons I could not understand, I was told it was wrong, not right, to be touched by his hands for seven long years. I hate it, but not for the crime they say he committed. Mm-hmm. I hated my father because he left me. This, I felt, was the wicked. How could just a young child be put through such hurt and pain? Why couldn't I just live a happy life, a life without thunder and rain? Well, now I'm just past a young child, but the pain I then felt is still here. There seems to be no other way to let go except through all my tears. One day I hope to reclaim those dreams from back a while, but it may not happen, you see, because I was just a young child. Mm -hmm. You know what I feel like asking? I feel like uh, when um, the, I forget the name of the movie, but Denzel Washington says to him, who will cry for the little boy? (laughs) You know? And I think that that's powerful because you are now a living epistle read of men that these challenges, these hopes and dreams that were snatched through certain experiences, those experiences didn't have more power than your God-given destiny to go and impact lives. And although it was painful, God took it and made it purposeful. And now you were able to cry for that little girl who no one else knew. And and under let me say this, understand that I still cry for that little girl. Yeah. Understand that 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 she and I um we, we're still walking together. There's still there's still pieces of her um that cry. There's still pieces of her um that that have yet to be healed. Um she and I will are forever forged um together in this thing called life. And um Everything that I do, um, I do, I think, to make her happy. I think there's still a a part of me um, that is still trying to wipe her tears um, because she cried for so long and for so much. Um, And and there are still, you know, pieces of me uh, that struggle to believe that her hopes and her dreams um will will come into fruition because you know there you know the, as as like with the album um I'm I've been working on this album for probably three to four years at this point. And just like with the book, um I, I just haven't really done the album because 
out of fear. And the little girl in me um, is afraid. You know, so again, I, I'm very transparent with these things because I want people to know that this is a part of the process. Um, when you come, you come through parts of the healing, and then there's still so much more to go. So you can't you can't jump on the 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 God bandwagon for a minute and then you know feel good and do your holy dance and then think you're good and jump off. No, baby, no, baby, um, because you need God to make it all the way through. Um, there are de- I was just crying tears to, uh, maybe about two days ago. Um, and I had to call my past full-blown tears. And she's like, baby, go sit outside. Just you and God and take a deep breath and let them talk to you. And it was almost instant. Soon as I hit the air um, that he began to speak to me. Um, but I go through those moments um, where you know, the, 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 the part of me that is still so soft, um, the little girl me that, that still trembles at death, at the losses that I've suffered just in seven days. Um, like I said, just a couple hours before we started this broadcast to find out that another of my classmates had died. Um, you know, and, and then to have to, you know, like, I got to get myself together and I got to do this podcast. You just got to put some lipstick on, Jesus, Lord, you know, um, because I am who I am and I don't get to sit in it. I, you know, I don't get to um, to, to be in that place um, because that's not who God called me to be. Um, he gave me this life and he made me this transparent and, and that little girl is still there pushing me. Um, she's a reminder. Why? Because there are millions of little girls out there who didn't have a praying grandmother that I had, who didn't have the auntie that I had to be the safe haven, um, who doesn't have, who didn't have the, the spiritual foundation that I have, who don't have the pastor that I have right now, who doesn't have the ability to go to seminary and to learn and to grow, who, who doesn't, who, who, are, who, who are not in the process. And I have to get to to them. Um, And so trying to remember that on a daily basis is harrowing. It's hard. And and in times like these, when I want to crumple up in the corner and cry too, (laughs) um, and I'm not afforded that because there's much work to do. Um, And so every morning at 10 o'clock, I get on my live. And I encourage and I love on the people and I'm there for them um, in the midst of what they're going to going through because that's my job. Um, so I, 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 I always want to make that clear um, that, that this is not some fairy tale, magical uh, story. This is real. It is real life. God is real. Healing is real. This process is real. Um, and I'm going through this right now. I go through it every single day. Um, and I walk the people through it that come to me. Um, and the people, I, I got I got as many calls from men almost as I did from women. Men called me. I had a pastor who called me who was almost 70 years old in full-blown tears. Reminded that he had been molested by a minister when he was a little boy. This is a, this is a life's work for me. Um, and what this shutdown has reminded me is that I haven't been on my job. The first thing that God said to me when I went and sat outside was you've been silent. And I told you to open your mouth. 
So we have to remember who we are called to be. And you yeah. don't get to, to get off the job because no, you're tired. Not. <laughs> you know, or because it hurts. Here's what I find that's amazing, though, is that um, sometimes our tears give other people permission to be free. Uh, because the one powerful thing about Jesus is that uh, the Bible says we know not in high priest who's not touched with the feeling of our infirmities. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so I was just listening to uh, Bishop Jakes. He preached a powerful message uh, on the scripture. Jesus wept. And mm-hmm. it was saying in, in that moment, you know, a lot of times, uh, you know, no matter how you preach it or how God gives to any specific pastor to preach it. Uh, in that moment, we get a chance to see some people say, well, he wept at their unbelief. Some people say that he wept. But we get a chance to see him in his full blown humanity, uh, yeah. feeling, you know, uh, the vulnerable. Loss. Yeah, mm-hmm. the vulnerable. And so uh, when the question asks, who will cry for the little boy or who will cry for the little girl, like Jesus has already uh, shed that tear for us. In mm-hmm. fact, he not only shed that tear, but he shed his blood. And mm-hmm. so it allows us to find redemption in what we like. We're, we are never beyond redemption. And yeah. I think that is a story that has to be told in such a way that no matter where you find yourself in life currently, like yeah. your life is never beyond redemption. In yeah. fact, if you find yourself totally out of the wheel or what have you, like you are in a perfect position to yeah. be, you know, mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. Uh, that's what I love about uh, just the, the enduring. Like when we think about um, the cross and we say the scripture for healing all the time. But in our Sunday school lesson, our church, we did live this past Sunday, our pastor, we walked through the actual Isaiah 53 and five, like, like to really think about it in its context, like mm-hmm. he was wounded for our transgressions. Yeah. And then we go in the wounds that he, that was afflicted upon his body, he was bruised, you know, for our iniquities. Mm-hmm. The chastisement of our peace was upon him. And with his stripes, you know, and they detail it to say they took a cat of nine tails that began to peel back the flesh upon his body that made him totally unrecognizable, not even as a man that he took, he bore. So if they have a question for me about COVID-19, and I know we've had great loss, but if he would bore the cat of nine tails across his back that we might find healing, our responsibility as ministers is to declare the word of God until God makes a decision. Yeah. Yeah. I, you know, I've been, it kept, it's been coming back to me and just coming to me and coming to me um, since last week. And I, I, I think I keep posting it. You know, I don't know if you saw the one live that I did um, at, at the other day I, when I was really emotional. And I, I mean, I was in tears almost the whole live and I, and I just needed to pray and I just prayed. Um, but it keeps coming to me. And, you know, you think about Joe. All right. And, you know, times like this, I don't know how you cannot think about Job. This is the time to me where this is when you think about Job. Um, and, and I think I, I was posting it and, and, I, and I'm just going to keep on posting it. Though you slay me, yes, yes. will I trust you? And, I, yes. and, and for me, that becomes the testimony. Though you slay me. And, 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 and listen, I don't know what your definition of slay is. I, I don't right. know. And, and I don't feel like it's my job to try to determine what your definition of slay is because slay is different across the board. But listen, though you slay me, 
Though I just lost my husband, though I just lost my job, though I don't know how I'm going to put some food on this table, though my teenage child is losing their cotton picking mind, though I don't know where I'm going to find my, I done lost my church and I don't know where I'm going to go. Though you slay me, yet will I trust you. I will trust you with my life. I will trust you with my decisions. I will trust you with my heart. I will trust you with my mind. I will trust you in these unprecedented times. I will trust you with all of this sickness. I will trust you with this plague upon the land. I will trust you. I will trust you because I know that you reign supreme. I will trust you because I know that you are yet in control. I will trust you you because i know that although all of this might have been yesterday for me it is now it is right now for you that's and that, awesome. you know, that's where i am we have uh about four minutes left and so i want you to tell the people where they can find you anything that you have coming that's uh coming forth that's coming up uh let them know i know you say you do a live every day so tell them what's your social media handles um, all social media, you can find me at S Monique Nelson on everything. And that's at S Monique Nelson. Um, the website is S Monique Nelson.com. Um, I have not done a good job of updating. That's another thing that I'm working on, uh, while I'm being sheltered in place. Um, I need to do a couple of blogs. Um, Yes, we are doing a live through the Creative Worship Center web page on um, Facebook, the Creative Center Worship Center page on Facebook. We do lives all day. Mine is at 10 o'clock every day. Um, but the, the members go live about every two hours um, all day, just doing encouragement um, for everybody during this time. This week's theme is falling in love with God again. Um, such an ample theme for this time right now. Um, we, I had a lot of stuff coming up that has all gotten canceled, obviously, based on um, the COVID-19 thing, but that is okay. Um, I am working on an album right now. There's, you know, I decided that I have to walk myself out of this fear. And um, God was talking to me about the music and I'm just going to have to come on out of this thing. So you guys pray for me with that. Um, a lot of you don't know, but I do have a clothing line. Another thing that um, I need to uh, make people more aware of, I have been up, I have been updating that. Um, so there are some things that you will be seeing coming from me. Um, that website is shopradicalrebel.com. It's called the Radical Collection by S. Monique Nelson. Um, so I am working on that. It's a faith-based line that I absolutely adore that God gave me years ago, and I am not going to let it go. Um, so, you know, take a look at it. I, I just absolutely adore the line. Um, so I just did um, the, the straight out of Psalms 23 based on um, a Bible study that our pastor did uh, last year and, and people are really loving it. So I'm going to start promoting that a bit more. Um, and of course, book two, book two is in the pipeline, you guys, but I cannot move faster. Uh, my pastor says that the speed of revelation um, and God is, is really taking me slow with book two, but book two is in the pipeline. So um, we, we are getting bondage breaker. And listen, if, if, if you leave it up to the other pastor at my church, there's another one coming out called Overcomer. Uh, and listen, I don't know about that, but let her tell it it's a book three. So uh, we just we just give all glory to God um, for everything that he's doing in this time and for what's to come. So I just ask that you keep me and all of my various projects in prayer. Thank you so much for having me. This has been very awesome. 
Absolutely. I think you forgot two projects. Uh, I know. I have not forgotten. Your other project. Uh -huh. yeah, I was waiting she for it. Jesus yeah. and Charles Charles Forward. Forward. Uh-huh. Yeah. I got those right uh -huh. there. Yeah, yeah. I, I was waiting. I, you could tell I was waiting on that, right? Yeah, I got those right there. <laughs> no, yeah, yeah. but listen, yeah. in true fashion like we do when we see each other all the time, it is all love. I'm very proud of, uh, as you wrote in my book, uh, us letting our light so shine that men might see our good works and glorify our Father, which is in heaven. Uh, if there's a time that we should be shining, like I tell people, you know, that song by uh, Manny Fresh and uh, Baby back in the day talking about Get Your Shine On. Uh, mm -hmm. That was not a big timers song initially. That was the Lord <laughs> Jesus. Uh, I that was the Lord. One, uh, rise and shine, you know, yes. for thy light has come and the glory Absolutely. of the Lord is risen upon you. That was the Absolutely. Lord saying, get your shine on. All right. Get your shine on. All right. So, yeah. uh, we are the salt and the light of the earth. Uh, we yes, have a responsibility God. to speak his truth because it is, as Paul would say, we're not ashamed of the gospel of Christ. For it is the power of God unto salvation. And so this is a time where I know people are looking for relief. People are looking for salvation. People for, are looking for direction and encouragement, instruction. And it is in the mouth of the believer. We need to speak it out. And, Absolutely. Uh, and uh, I just this always the decade of the mouth. Let's go. Let's go. Yeah. Okay, watch it. See, you, you start telling a prophet to start talking. Is this? <laughs> no. <laughs> no, but... In all love, uh, I want to say to you, Queen, thank you for being on. Uh, and the last thing I always say is your future is not behind you. It is not before you. It is within you. And I'm Andre Ebron bringing our, our guest, Queen Nelson. And we say God bless you. God bless you. Have a blessed evening. All right. You too. Shout out to CT, I guess. Yes. Yeah, second tonight. Uh, okay, all right. All right. Second tonight. Right. Uh, peace and favor. Yeah. All right. <laughs>